I believe the best way to hear God's voice is to silence all the noise, all the things that are coming at us each and every day. See, when God speaks, sometimes what he speaks is really comforting. When he speaks, he speaks that word of his forgiveness, of his grace, of his love and his kindness. And sometimes that's exactly what we need. This good news that he is a God for us. But other times when he speaks, what he speaks convicts us. What he speaks reminds us that we are still, even at our best, broken individuals. That we, even at our greatest, still continue to hurt the people around us with the things we say and do and think about doing. With the things we never quite do that we maybe should have. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning, Point family. For those of you joining us on live stream, I'm glad you're with us today as well. We are in the middle of this series as a church about silence and solitude, about intentionally shaping our lives around practices that help us live out our faith through three different things, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And so this first way that we're learning to spend time in our lives being with Jesus is by taking intentional and consistent time set aside by ourselves in silence. That there in that time and in that silence we can meet with God. And so today as we talk about this practice, what it's like, what it means, why it's helpful to us, I've, uh, first I want to begin with scripture and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. Are you ready? All right, we're going to look today at 1 Samuel chapter 3. And a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to talk at my son's school's, uh, like, all-school assembly and give the devotion. And the day before, my son in first grade gave me these wise words. He said, Dad, could you learn to, like, stop and slow down a little bit? Because every time you tell us where the scripture is, then you start reading it before I can open it up. So, for the sake of Elijah... 1 Samuel chapter 3, if you're using the Bibles that are provided in the pews or the chairs upstairs, it's on page 286. On your phone, there's no page numbers. You just scroll to it, okay? That's allowed here. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, no, I did not call. 
lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and he went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I'm willing to bet most of us have never audibly heard the voice of God. Is that a fair guess? Most of the time when we stop and we pray, God, I'm really needing an answer here. What's next? We don't see giant billboards of God being like, hey, hey, look, it's me. We don't hear voices from heaven speaking up saying, here I am, I have answers for you or things for you or plans for you. Most of the time when we seek to hear God, we hear silence and we wonder, God, are you there? Are you listening? Even more so, are you answering? And if you answer, how will I know that you're answering? How do I know that it's you? Samuel is a rather unique man. If you don't know the story of Samuel in scripture, his mom really wanted to be a mom, but for a long time was infertile. And one time in a time of prayer before Eli, there in the tabernacle, which this account says the temple, but that wasn't built yet. In this tent of God, in this place where he was, there she was so distraught by her infertility that she wept. God, if only you will give me a son. 
I promise I'll give him to you. If only you'll give me a child, I promise he will be in service to you all the days of his life. Because isn't that the way it works? When we're most desperate and hurting, we begin to make bargains with God. God, I'll do whatever you ask. I'll stop smoking if only you heal them. I'll stop cussing if only this. I'll do all these things if only, God. And yet, even through those bargains and those pleas and that desperation, God hears Hannah's cry and she becomes pregnant. So she follows through with that commitment. And when her son is born, she brings him to the tabernacle to Eli to be in service of the tabernacle the place where God's glory dwelt. And here's what that means for Samuel. There was a lot of earthly comforts he was going to never have. Things he might have been afforded as her son that he wasn't able to have because they were given up in service to God. Not only this, he was held to a higher standard from the time he was born. People will be watching you. They will see in you God at work. They will know his grace and his forgiveness and his love and his kindness through you. And so they will expect more of you. It's in this context, Samuel as a young man, probably in his early 20s, maybe his late teens, he's there with Eli, the man who basically raised him as a father, who cared for him, who mentored him, who showed him what does it mean to serve the Lord? What does it mean to be this example for those who are hurting? What does it mean to bring forgiveness to those who are broken and sinful? Eli, his mentor and father figure. And Samuel is doing as he would of most nights. You see, they were supposed to keep the lamp of the Lord burning the whole time, day and night, and so there was somebody there all the time before it who, whenever it would get low, would have to manually refill it with oil, would have to manually take turns to trim the wick and make sure that it was burning well and it could always burn. Eli, being of old age, his eyesight failing, had entrusted this important task to Samuel. And there he is, when he hears not once or twice, but three times a voice calling out his name. I have to say, I have one time audibly heard God's voice in my life. Only once, 15 years ago, and unfortunately, I was more confused afterwards than I was before. Like, I actually personally would rather not hear his voice audibly more often than not because usually people who hear voices, we say they need some help and somebody who can direct them a little bit, maybe with some better medication or something else. The, the one time I audibly heard something, is only a few words, and I was so confused, I went out of my room where I was praying. I was in Germany at the time, and I looked around, and the house was silent, and my host brother was playing on the computer, so I asked him, what was that? He goes, what was what? I said, I just heard something, but what was it? He's like, nothing happened. So, like, you weren't playing a video or nothing came up? No, my sound's off. So is anybody else home? Nobody else is home. I was thoroughly confused, and he then, the more I started questioning, was also thoroughly confused. Like, what's going on, Adam? You seem to have lost it. Samuel, he hears this voice calling for him. So his natural response is, this must be Eli. In verse 4, it says this, Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. 
But he, being Eli, said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went to lay down. And I can imagine Eli. Samuel's there in the temple. Eli's sleeping, trying to get a good night's rest. And in comes Samuel, his almost son, right? Did you say something? Did you want something? What's going on? Anybody in here have kids? There are a few things I enjoy less than 3 a.m. visits to my bedroom for my kids. Because those early morning or late night visits usually mean there's something wrong with my child. Either they had an accident and I have to get out of bed and clean it. Or they're really scared and they want to climb in my bed and then I don't sleep very well. Or they need some water and they're too tired to walk downstairs and get it themselves. Usually when I'm awoken in the middle of the night, like Eli, I'm like, just go back to sleep. We'll deal with this later. We'll figure it out. Three times Samuel hears this voice and only then does Eli realize perhaps God is trying to speak and he gives him instruction. Go back, lie down and next time when God speaks, respond, here I am. Your servant hears. Your servant hears. Your servant is listening. And so this is what he does. Samuel goes back and he lays down and God speaks. Samuel, Samuel. This time he says, speak for your servant hears. Now, in your prayer life, how often do you stop your prayer to just listen for God? Speak, I'm here to listen. I find in my life, most of the time, even when I'm really trying, God, I'm here to listen. What would you have for me? What do you want for me? Where should I go? What should I do? Give me answers. And then there's crickets. And my mind wanders to all the things I want the answer to be. And in a lot of cases, I then begin to fill in the blank. Okay, God, you must want me to do this or that. Or maybe you're just not listening. I've asked the wrong question. I need to try it again. Rarely am I very good at just, in my prayer time, telling God, speak, for your servant is listening, and then actually shutting up long enough to listen. Samuel does this, and God speaks, and the thing he speaks is not something I would want to hear. Samuel hears from God, Eli's sons have been blaspheming, a uh, uh, a pun a something punishable by death in the Old Testament. They have been doing something utterly attestable to God, something detestable that would absolutely be destroying the people of God. And because they were priests, they were held to this higher standard. God says, because Eli did not hold them to that standard, this is gonna come against not only his sons, but also against him. Now imagine the first time God speaks to you, and you're finally ready to listen, like, I'm listening, God. And he says, here's the deal. I want you to go to your mentor, your father figure, this person you care about who's meant so much to you. And I want you to tell him, I'm coming to destroy him and his whole family. How excited would you be for that message? God, are you sure that's what you're saying? Clearly I misheard this. This isn't your plan, is it, God? But Eli, he speaks to Samuel in the morning. He says in, in verse 16, Samuel, my son, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from you, or do not hide it from me. And he goes on beyond that. Not only do not hide it from me, Eli says, look, 
Anything you don't tell me, let it be worse for you than it is for me. Yikes. So Samuel then begins to speak, and I wonder if there is a lot of timidity. Well, uh, this is going to be awkward, Eli, but uh, God's not very happy with you. In fact, he's coming in judgment. It's going to be pretty bad for you. Like, I, I tried to bargain and plead. I wanted to do something, but it, it seems pretty set in stone, Eli. Like, this is what God's going to do. Sorry about that. And Eli, he says this. So it says in verse uh, 18, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And I love that, that response from Eli, where Samuel could have been like, this clearly wasn't God, I misunderstood. This wasn't his intention. I, I clearly don't know what I'm doing. I'm just really tired, I'm sleep deprived, I was woken up all through the night, I just, I'll try again tomorrow. Instead, Eli says, okay, if God's plan includes suffering, so be it. If God's plan includes hardship, that's what it'll be. And then Samuel, it says, in verse 19, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. Now, this is really important, this little phrase, none of his words fall to the ground. Because in the Old Testament, if somebody was called to be a prophet, they were given two jobs. First, they were to speak things the way they are. Thus says the Lord, here's the current situation. But then they were also to speak things the way they will be. Thus says the Lord, here's what's going to happen. And, and any prophet whose words did not come to pass the phrase for that was those words fell to the ground, like they just became nothing, nothing happened of them. And if a prophet's words fell to the ground and nothing happened of them, clearly they did not hear from God and they were doomed to death. Yikes, what a job. Samuel, as he grows, having heard the voice of the Lord, the Lord being with him, all of his words come to pass. The things he speaks happen not only happen in a future tense, in many cases, they're actively happening right before everybody's eyes. God's doing what he said he would do as Samuel's speaking them. And all the people knew that Samuel was a prophet, and he grew in the word of the Lord. I picked this story for today to talk about because when it comes to silence and solitude, I think many of us get uncomfortable with silence because we've never learned how to listen. We've never learned how in the silence to hear, God, is that your voice or is that mine? See, for most of us, we think listening to God means there has to be this audible moment where God makes it abundantly clear. Anybody ever seen Bruce Almighty? Where he's like desperate and in pain. He's like, God, give me a sign. And literally a truck drives by filled with signs telling him to stop and all these things. And he still totally misses it. Misses it. Like, I think most of us think when God speaks, it has to be this moment like Samuel that wakes us up and suddenly everything changes. And so when we listen and that's not what we hear, we begin to think God's not speaking. But the truth of the matter is God is always speaking. In fact, it's through the very act of speaking that God created. All life comes from God through his speaking. 
what he says is. What he says will be comes to pass. Not a single word that he speaks is untrue or doesn't happen. God is constantly speaking still to this day. But for many of us, it's really hard to listen. In the New Testament, the author of Hebrews describing how God speaks, he says this, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He says, look, they used to have prophets, mediators, people who would speak on behalf of God for all of us to hear. But in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. If you are sent a messenger, you, you know the phrase, don't shoot the messenger, right? Well, why is that phrase? Because if the messenger speaks a bad word, something you don't want to hear, something you're not used to hearing, or something you're not looking forward to, there's a temptation to be angry. Well, if only I shoot the messenger, the message can't come to pass, right? I'll send my own message. And yet, in Hebrews, he says, God used to speak through prophets, messengers, mediators, ones who would come on God's behalf. And as we know, what happened to most of those prophets? Most of them were killed. Most of them were killed because people didn't want to hear what God had to say. But now in these days, God speaks to us through his son. It's personal, it's intimate, it's relational. It's not through a distant messenger, but actually God himself coming to us. Here I am to speak. Are you listening? And yet, like the prophets of old, we killed a son too. God, I don't really want what you have to say. When you say that it's not about me and I just have to surrender, I don't really want that. When you say that it's not my will be done but yours, I don't really want that. God, when you say these lies I've believed about who I am or whose I am, when you say that's not true, I, I don't really want that. And like the prophets of old, we killed his son. God, I don't want your words to come true. And yet he still speaks. Elsewhere it says that the word of the cross speaks a better word, that his blood spilled speaks a better word for us. The fact that his son would come not only as a messenger, but as God for us and with us, that his son would come into suffering to embrace pain and sorrow and death, to die and on the third day rise again, that speaks louder than any other voice we'd ever hear. But often we're not listening. Jesus in John chapter 10 talking about how he is the good shepherd who would lay down his life for his flock. He says this, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If we are Christian, if we are children of God, scripture's really clear, we will hear God's voice. So how? I believe the best way to hear God's voice is to silence all the noise, all the things that are coming at us each and every day. See, when God speaks, sometimes what he speaks is really comforting. 
When he speaks, he speaks that word of his forgiveness, of his grace, of his love, and his kindness. And sometimes that's exactly what we need. This good news that he is a God for us. But other times when he speaks, what he speaks convicts us. What he speaks reminds us that we are still, even at our best, broken individuals. That we, even at our greatest, still continue to hurt the people around us with the things we say and do and think about doing. With the things we never quite do that we maybe should have. Sometimes his word reminds us that we are not all that we want to be. And when we hear that word, it can really hurt. We can be tempted to run and flee and say, that's not from God. Or, like Eli, we can hear the word of the Lord, whether it's what we want or whether it's what we need. And we can say, God, do what seems good to you. And when we begin to take intentional and consistent time, set aside in silence, where we turn off the music and we turn off the TV and we set aside our phone and when our thoughts begin to race, we take a moment to pray and say, God, just take these thoughts away for the moment. Let me set them aside. When we sit in that silent space, God will speak because he already is. As you set out with silence and solitude, you may find that the first several attempts or maybe even the first several dozen attempts are really awkward and God seems silent. But I believe when this becomes a consistent practice of ours, like Samuel, daily he's in the tabernacle, he's there to tend to what God is doing, he's waiting on God though he himself had never yet met God personally. When we make this a habit, at some point, we will begin to hear what God has to say. Friday, not knowing that today's message was about learning to listen to the voice of God, I got a text from somebody. Now, maybe he knew. I never told him this. So if he knew, maybe he was listening to God better than I was. But he sent me this picture, and I thought, this was just great. Look at this. Listen and silent are spelled with the same letters. Think about it. Maybe to learn to hear God's voice possibly audibly, probably not. Maybe to learn to know this is what God is doing in my life, what he's speaking to me. Maybe we need to learn to be silent. And like Samuel, here I am, God. I'm listening. Will you pray with me? God, you did not just send us messengers and prophets, people of old, to speak of who you are and what you're doing. But you sent us your son, that you would speak a better word, that you would speak and we could know your voice, that you would speak grace and kindness and truth and love where we are hurt and broken and wounded, that you would speak conviction challenge, confrontation where we are complacent in things that are not good for us or for our neighbor. As we practice this habit of silence and solitude, Lord, 
we ask to have a heart like Samuel. Here I am, your servant is listening. May we have a heart like Eli that invites you to speak or to do whatever you please. God, may we be faithful that in our silence we would hear you. And from that place of hearing you speak, we would learn to speak your love and truth and kindness to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors, to those who are near to you and those who are far, that we would speak only as we first hear from you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. I realized this last week that for those of you that are in a connect group, uh, that are actively practicing this practice of silence and solitude together with other people, you're learning what it's like, each week you get some very uh, tangible things you can do this next week to practice silence and solitude. Uh, And I realized this week I didn't share that with everybody else who's not in a connect group. Do we have a slide for that? I don't, I saw you, Emily, are you up there? We have a slide for that? Cool. I was gonna do this later, but I'm gonna do it now, uh, Anna, if we can. There should be a slide for the Connect Group content. Uh, if you could put that up. Here's the deal. Anna doesn't know where it's at, so we don't have that slide. Cool, it's on our website, thepointknox.com. Is it under uh, Church Online? Cool. So if you go to thepointknox.com, start here in the drop-down menu, there's a connect group tab, and you can get every single week six weeks of practical things you can start doing today to begin to experience silence and solitude and maybe create space for God to speak. So with that now, sorry about the awkward. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate that. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate you as well. We are going to continue our worship by collecting an offering. And there are two reasons we collect an offering in this place. First, we collect an offering because we believe everything we have belongs to God and everything comes from God. And we believe there's a temptation in this world to say, I earned this, this is mine. I have this because I deserve this. And so by regularly making a practice of giving, we get to say, God, I want to trust that all that I have comes from you, that you are my provider. On top of that, there's a second reason why in this place we give on a regular basis. Everything we do is to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus, which really simply means there are people in this city, in our neighborhoods, in our pews, you and I, who are at times in our life distant from God. And so everything we do is to help them draw near to God. And I don't know about you, but I know for myself, if I go to a church for the first time, it can be scary and it can be uncomfortable. I'm like, what am I getting into? And it can be made uh, immensely worse when I go into the bathroom and there's no toilet paper, no soap. I'm like, now what do I do? And then somebody's serving coffee and I hope and pray they didn't use the bathroom. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, now what? And and so part of why we give is not just to trust God, but to say, God, I want to partner with what you're doing through the little things like toilet paper and soap, but also through the bigger things like our opportunities to go into the community and serve. 
And so in this place, if you came prepared to give today and you would like to give cash or check, if that's something you prefer instead of online, you can do that in the popcorn buckets when you leave. If you filled out one of the physical connect cards in front of you with a way we can pray for you or just your information that we can connect with you later in the week, you can put those in the bucket as well. And if you came prepared to give and prefer to give electronically, you can do so at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, we don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Now this is the part of the service where I get to do my best to respond to questions you asked. But before I do that, we have a big announcement. And it's exciting. You ready for it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So over the last six to eight months, we as a church and as leadership have been asking this question, how do we slow down to experience what God is doing in our life? And a couple months ago, Emily came to me and said, I, I really need to slow down. Can I? And I said, absolutely. And she said, here's what I'd like to ask. And I said, okay. So I got a big announcement for you. Uh, later this year, Emily is going to be stepping out of the worship role, leading our worship and all that she does behind the scenes there. And she's going to be stepping um, entirely, all of her focus into communications uh, that's going to go from a full-time role to a part-time role, freeing her up for something else she's doing right now called Nudanox. Do you want to take just like 30 seconds or less and share like why Nudanox is so exciting? I'm very good at being concise, yes. Um, Nudanox is very exciting because we get to connect people to community and to Knoxville. Um, I've talked about this before here, but I moved here seven years ago and hated it. Um, so I've obviously learned to love Knoxville and I found my people and it's awesome now. But Nudanox kind of started to help other people find their people faster and start falling in love with their city because it's awesome. Um, and it's just ramped up the last year or so. And I, it turned out I was really tired of doing two things a lot. So now I'm doing two things less lot. And uh, I'm really excited about it, actually. Which is going to be really cool. New to Knox is fantastic. And uh, I love partnering with you guys, what you're doing. Um, that also means that we're going to have an opening part-time for somebody new who's going to take over the role of leading worship. That doesn't mean you're up on stage every Sunday, but helping with a lot of the planning and preparing and sometimes being on stage. So if that's you or somebody you know, we have a job description we'll be posting soon. Uh, if you're interested, we'd love for you to come talk to us about what that role entails and how maybe you could fill that. And I asked very politely, and the worship team did say I'm allowed to sing with them sometimes still. So I do get to still uh, be on the team. I just won't be leading it necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> so now with that, uh, if you have questions about that, you're welcome to text them in. We'll try to respond to them here. Otherwise, Emily will gladly respond later uh, with more details. Totally. What questions came in today? All right. So the first one said, which was, I, I did not text this in, but I also was curious. What did God say to you when you heard his voice? Oh, uh, yeah. So it was really simple. It said, I'll give to you the nations. And I have no idea what that meant. And so all I knew was it meant I wasn't supposed to go study medicine. And that was it. Other than that, I'm 15 years later going, I still don't know. But okay, here I am, God. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll get to the nations. I will give to you the nations. I will give I don't know what that means. to you the nations. Yeah, okay. at the time I thought I was going to like travel the world as a missionary. That hasn't happened. Uh, I haven't left the country in like a decade. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay, next question. So wait, 
The Lord was punishing Eli for not stopping blasphemy, but when he came against his house, he accepted his judgment willingly. Seems a bit harsh for someone genuinely concerned for the Lord's will to be done. Yeah, um, it does seem harsh. And what we have often forgotten is that God is very serious. He's very loving, and he also, what he says matters. And so, uh, especially in the Old Testament, there was this standard that said, look, you must be way up here, near perfect. Now, there was all these sacrifices and things they could do not to get God's love, but as a result of his love, they could be faithful to him. And since Eli and his kids, his sons were responsible for leading the people to God's faithfulness, God took it really seriously that they weren't. Um, now, does that mean that Eli's forever eternally judged and damned? I don't think so, but I don't actually know. Um, it's sometimes confusing. God's judgment doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we're out forever. It just might mean that there's some hardship coming. So, I hope Eli's not judged eternally and we can meet him and be like, dude, how did you do that? Just like graciously be like, okay, God, if that's what you want. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It's a nice thing to hope. Yeah. I hope he's not judged eternally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't really hope that for anybody. So. Those are the questions this morning. I was way simpler. Yeah. yeah. As always, you can uh, text in any question on any subject, and if I don't know an answer, I'll do my best to do some research and respond as best as I can. Um, you c- that number's online at thepointknox.com. You can always find it there. Um, if you text in a question early during the week, I'll do my best Wednesday to post something online, a brief response. Otherwise, we'll respond to them next week. Mm-hmm. Cool. Before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.